0: Have you ever heard the sound of freedom? Freedom, freedom, freedom? Have you ever heard the sound of freedom? freedom, freedom. You're listening
1: to The Flipside with Noah Philippiak, connecting the reality of the gospel to the grid of
0: life. You can support the podcast and pick up some sweet Flipside swag at www.patreon.com slash Noah What up? What up? What up? Flip upon a Welcome to episode 89 of the Flipside Podcast. Today is a fun episode. I'm doing a group conversation uh, with four church planters. I'm one of them. And the four of us were together for six months in a cohort. We all are church planters with the Evangelical Covenant denomination, uh, the ECC, Evangelical Covenant Church. And we got to know each other well. We're all over the country. And I thought a conversation amongst uh, church planters that are just starting out, we are in the trenches, we're going through the ups and downs of church planning, uh, would, fit, would fit well with some of the themes we've been talking about recently here on the flip side. As we've been talking about church health, we've been talking about uh, different ways of doing church. I just interviewed Peter Sung, uh, episode 87 of the flip side, just two episodes ago, Peter was—he's uh, on staff with the ECC, and he was in charge of our cohort. So with the it was a small cohort of just uh, our group of five, plant, four planters that we're going to hear today, and then one more, uh, and then Peter, who was leading us uh, through through the material. And, you know, we've talked a fair amount uh, here and there about the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill podcast, and uh, that was something many, many people listened to. And I think it really exposed some things in the church that we have really praised as the American church, uh, the size of churches and even some of the fame and the celebrityism of certain pastors. And we have seen not just from uh, Mark Driscoll and Mars Hill, Seattle, but also Willow Creek, uh, the Hillsong documentaries that have come out. We've seen that bigger isn't always better, and that in fact, uh, maybe bigger sometimes can be the cause of uh, of things not being better. I just realized uh, here we are live uh, as I talk. Uh, I did a whole episode on my thoughts on the rise and fall of Mars Hill, on Hillsong, and on Willow Creek. And I'm trying to find that. While I'm going to find that, I will tell you that I interviewed Laura Taro, uh, who will, is in the uh, group of four today, uh, in episode 74, talking about church planting as a woman uh, pastor, and uh, also in our uh, in our little. Group of four today, us four church planters. Uh, Laura is there. Uh, Laura is the founding pastor and senior pastor at Bethany Covenant Church in St. Charles, Illinois. And she'll be coming on for her second time here on the flip side. Uh, also, is Cindy Riley, New Beacon Covenant Church in Swananoa, North Carolina. I like that town's name because it has Noah in the name. So I feel like I would, I would you know, be famous there. Uh, Josh Kramer. <laughs> at Resurrection Covenant in Boise, in Boise, Idaho. And uh, just all kinds of podcast connections going on here. I'm getting ahead of myself. So episode 68 of The Flip Side, you can go back and listen to my thoughts on Hillsong Exposed, uh, The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill and Willow Creek. I was also going to mention episodes, let's see, 79 and 80. I interviewed Greg Coles. And uh, Greg Coles is on the leadership team at Resurrection Covenant Boise uh, with Josh. Did you know that it's Boise? My whole life it has been Boise. If anyone watches college football, they always say Boise State, and then I was uh, interviewing, I think it was when I was talking to Preston Sprinkle, uh, he's been on the show a couple times, and he kept saying Boise, and I'm like, you're saying your own city wrong. No, the rest of us say it wrong. It's its Boise with an S, just like it's spelled, the things you learn on the flip side. So, excited to get into that conversation and we talk about, you know, we're four church planners pastoring small churches, struggling with some of the insecurities of that, uh, but also, you know, trying to get to the heart of what is discipleship, what is a healthy church, and just wrestling through the reality of church planting. So, something I like to do when it comes to church planting is just expose some of the myths. I feel like all, almost every church planner I know. We, we all have been under this delusion that we're going to plant a church, have this big launch, and the thing's just going to go grow, 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 and, and as if um, that's, not, that's what's expected, that's what success is, uh, and there's pressure. There's pressure on us to do that, and for almost every church planter I know, and I know quite a few uh, over the course of now, I don't know... I, 2005 is when I started my first church plant. So do the math on that. Uh, almost every church planter I know, it is um, it is a grind, and it's it is a like a boxing match, and you just you take a lot of hits, and uh, it's 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 a it's a calling, it's fulfilling. I'm not complaining, uh, but I just I just want us to. I I, I don't like us setting up. Uh, church plants as these these places um, where you know celebrity pastors are born, so to speak. and uh, you know i I think we can just it would be healthy in the church if we got rid of the whole celebrity thing. it's just it's really silly. Uh, and so I just want to have some real conversations today with some church plants. Uh, we are all in the early stages of church planting. so, Uh, Before we get to that, let me mention, if you want to watch this episode, you can do so at youtube.com slash Noah Philippiak. At some point in the middle of the interview, we're on Zoom, and these birthday balloons all just appeared on my square. I have no idea who did it. Uh, I blame Josh for doing it. He said he didn't know how to do it. If he did, he would do it. He would do it more. So uh, if you're watching on... (laughs) On YouTube you'll get to see that Uh, Josh had some mug envy Uh, my third favorite podcast is the flip side it should be your third favorite podcast as well that's our goal around here if you'd like to get a mug like I told Josh you need to become a patron on patreon you can head over to patreon.com slash Noah Flippiak if you want to support the show get yourself some sweet swag Uh, in in my mug is my angry brew shout out to angry brew and a big thanks for sponsoring the podcast Go to angrybrew.com, fivelakes.com, pick up a bag of Chris's Blender Angry Brute and get 10% off your order when you use promo code FLIP. Uh, I do talk to an interview about how at Mosaic, my church plant, we're moving towards a uh, co-pastor model, which we're going to start with a residency and then uh, move that uh, prayerfully into a uh, co-pastor in the future as we discern the right fit for that. And what that means is, I'm working towards going uh, half time at my church. And if you'd like to support me in that, uh, one way you can do that is uh, I, I set up a new nonprofit called Beyond Ministries. That's my Beyond the Battle ministry and our groups. Uh, which you can join a group at beyondthebattle.net. But it also encompasses the podcast and encompasses future writing, uh, current books that I'm working on. I'm working on a science fiction novel right now, as well as a teen edition, teenager edition of Beyond the Battle that'll be for both uh, teen guys and teen girls. And it'll be about 50 or 60 pages. I'm almost done with that. Uh, But the goal is to get enough uh, income coming in from these other these other sources uh, where I can go halftime at the church to create space for this residency and eventual co-pastor. So if you'd like to support that, it is a tax-deductible gift. You can go to noahphilippiak.com give or beyondthebattle.net slash give, and uh, you can do a recurring gift there. Uh, that's a lot of websites. I'm sorry, but uh, all right. So, hey, let's jump in uh, to this interview, and I hope it's helpful to you as you as a, as a Christian. You know, I, I just hope we are all prayerful about what makes a healthy church, what makes the church healthy, and even maybe some ways for you, uh, you know, if you're not in church leadership, if you're an attender of a church, uh, what are some ways Maybe you can make your church healthier, or if you're not going to church, uh, I would encourage you to start, and um, maybe there's certain ingredients you'll find in our conversation today uh, that will help you hone in on what you're looking for uh, in a church. So without further ado, I haven't said that in a while. It's exciting to say that again. Without further ado, we're going to jump into this conversation between Laura Taro, Cindy Riley, Josh Kramer, and myself. Here we go all right welcome friends to the flip side this is our first ever my first ever uh group interview so this is very very exciting uh so we'll go around here that we got the brady bunch uh squares (laughs) up here on zoom and uh just introduce yourselves i guess we'll go i'm just going on my screen clockwise cindy josh laura uh share your name Uh, where you're from, and maybe just a little bit about the stage uh, that your church plant is in.
1: Okay. I'm Cindy Riley. I'm in Swannanoa, North Carolina. We are in a restart phase. We've been going for about a year, year and a half and had a good start and then hit some hiccups. And um, my husband and I finally moved into the community and it feels like we're in a restart building back up again.
2: Great. Thanks, Cindy. I'm uh, Josh Kramer. I'm in Boise, Idaho. Um, We are, uh, we're moving. Uh, We've been going for about a year and a half. We launched Easter 22 um, and things feel, yeah, like they're kind of rolling
0: along at this stage. Did you share the name of your church, you guys? No. Go ahead, do that. Uh, Cindy, what's the name of your church? New Beacon Covenant Church. All right. Josh? we Resurrection Covenant Boise. Great. Thanks. All right. How about you, Laura?
3: Yeah, Laura Taro and our church is Bethany Covenant Church. We're in St. Charles, Illinois, which is a western suburb of Chicago. And our church meets in a donut shop, which is a little fun and unusual. We have been meeting weekly for about a year. Although, you know, with church plants, there's a good six to 10 to 12 months lead up of all of the stages before you start meeting weekly. So it's hard to, I always wonder, like, what is our actual date but meeting weekly for a year um, and rolling along like josh was saying um, exciting things are happening but it is a roller coaster to plant a church
0: it sure is we're gonna talk about some of that roller coaster laura welcome back by the way to the podcast so uh, i will have mentioned this in the intro i'll give a bio for each of you guys and stuff but laura uh, and i had a conversation episode 74 if any listeners want to go back and hear about planting a church as a woman uh, pastor. So let me give a little bit about my church plan. It's Mosaic Church. Um, I've already mentioned this, but the four of us met through the Evangelical Covenant Church's cohort for new church plants. And so we spent six months together on Zoom every other week. And really was wonderful. It was wonderful to get to know you guys and uh, one other friend of ours that we just caught up with on Zoom that wasn't able to join us for the podcast. Uh, our cohort was led by Peter Sung. And I just got to interview Peter on episode 87 of this podcast, which is just two episodes ago. And we're going to get into some of that. Um, Peter just came out with a book called The Post-Church Church. And uh, it sounds, you know, you think about the title of that, and it's uh, our culture is post church, um, and a lot of us are still doing church in a church way, and our culture is post church, and Peter is proposing some post church uh, ways of doing church, and and so we're going to get into some of that, but I want to start with. Um, the reason I thought this conversation would be helpful for a podcast is because we're all church planting. We're all in early stages of church planting. I guess I, I forgot to finish my sort of story. Uh, our church is about a year and a half old as well. We're two years in uh, from me working on it full time. And um, we're in urban Grand Rapids, Michigan. So we're in the inner city. We're a multi-ethnic church. There's some unique challenges we face being uh, urban and multi-ethnic Um But we face the challenges of a two-year-old church plant that I would say is, um, it depends on who you ask. If you ask certain people in my church, they're like, this is awesome. We love this. Like people in churches that are in small churches, it doesn't bother them. This Mm -hmm. is like there's community. uh, They love it. For us as church planners, we feel pressure for things to be bigger. Uh, We feel pressure to grow. We have our own insecurities. Uh, We tell people... um, and I'm not speaking for you guys, I, I guess this is for me. Um, and, and, uh, feel free. We'll, we'll turn this into a question as well. Uh, but, there's, um, I want my church to grow, and if I could just be content with the small size that it is, I think that would be better. But there are financial pressures that we face for those of us trying to do this for our full time jobs. Um, maybe that's not the best model. I don't know because that certainly you know plays a role in it as well. But culturally speaking, there's this fascination of big in the American church, and uh, many many people listen to the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill podcast. And we heard the ins and outs of Mark Driscoll's Mars Hill and how huge it was. And for me back in the mid two thousands, that, that church his ministry. That was, that was like the church, uh, every church plan wanted to be like his, uh, I'm in Michigan here, uh, Rob Bell's Mars Hill unaffiliated with that one, but another sensation, you know, Rob Bell wrote velvet Elvis. He writes about how huge they launched, um, and then we all have our local church plants, uh, sometimes in our network, sometimes not. And then people ask me or you guys, my least favorite question in the world. Uh, usually it's the first question people ask when they, you know, they find out you plant a church. How big is your church? And I'm like, that is <laughs> like, the only reason you want to know how big my church is. So you can judge me on if I'm a success uh, or a failure. So mm. I, I thought it would be helpful. We're not bashing big churches, uh, but we see some dangers in that model. We see some dangers now in the big church model with Willow Creek, Hillsong, Mars Hill. These are national stories. So the four of us are not pastoring big churches. Um, (laughs) We are pastoring small churches. And I'm just uh, let's just kind of go around uh, the circle and um, let's talk about this as a a theory first. And then we'll go into like specifically what your churches are doing, but how do each of you wrestle with the, um, I'll call it pressure. You could use a different word, but there's a cultural standard maybe for big church. That's the church that success versus what you have, uh, what I have, which is not a big church. Um, are you okay with that? Is that a good or a bad thing? And and how do you each wrestle with that? Laura, we'll start with you as a returnee to the flip side. You get to go first.
3: All right. Um, it's hard. I think there's, I um, have served in several churches in the course of my career and um, everything from very small, um, medium sized to very, very large. My last church job I worked at was a very large church. And so part of this planting process has been sort of an unlearning of some of the larger church models. Um, So there is definitely a wrestling with that. And I think that in my area, at least in the Chicagoland suburbs, what a lot of churches are doing is going multi-site and essentially that's almost like a franchise model where you are launching large. That's, that's the language they use launching large with like 250 people. Um, They buy a building and they have a huge budget and multi-staff and that's how they start a church. The way that I'm starting a church could not be more polar opposite (laughs) to that. Um, So it's, it's, you have to wrestle with every dollar you have to wrestle with every decision in terms of program about what uh, resources you want to allocate and how, how much you want to push people, um, to be doing different things. So all of those are good. I think they're good and healthy questions of what is essential for the life of a church. Um, because the essential is about all we have energy for, um, but it, it, I think it raises really good discussions, um, around that. And, but you do, there is an internal wrestling as well because you do get that question, what size is your church and those kinds of things. Um, and you do want to see it grow, I think. Um, but the people, like you said, that are in a small church kind of enjoy it because they know each other, they feel cared for, they feel seen. That's great stuff. So, um, how to grow, but also to be manageable and to care well for the people you've got. That's, that's the challenge.
0: Yeah. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Josh, you want to jump in next? Sure.
2: Um, yeah. I think it, I, I hear that pressure and I feel it. Um, and at the same time, um, uh, I what we've come to uh, again, we're here in Boise. There are plenty of, plenty of churches and there are plenty of big churches in Boise um, what we've come to is that, um, kind of our success is built around, not the size of the church, um, but a couple other things. One is the, um, the quality of our life together. So, so mm-hmm. it's a lot easier in a lot of ways to really love one another. Like I can give a hug to every person in the room and that's a joy and everybody feels seen and known and loved. Um, that's amazing. Uh, Another piece is um, like just as I look at Jesus, our you know we're always coming back to Jesus and what Jesus did. I just boy, um, he worked really hard to uh, limit the size of the crowds, <laughs> um, and uh, that sure seems to have uh, done what it was intended to do in the the ministry of his of his people. Um, so I, I don't, I've come to kind of feel comfortable with uh, a smaller community because it helps us uh, be who we want to be following Jesus. And kind of the third thing is like for us here in Boise, we are um, a pretty unique community. Um, There's just not a lot of churches like us. And so we just kind of go, we don't know what, like, if I had to do a market share analysis, I don't know that our market share is much bigger than it is now, but if we can look like Jesus, then I think, then we've done the thing then. God calls us to do. So, um, just, it, it takes some work internal work and constant work to be comfortable with that. Um, but that's kind of where we've landed as a community. So,
0: yeah, thanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: How about you,
1: yeah. Cindy? Yeah. It's very similar to, to Laura and, and Josh. I almost didn't go into church planting because I felt like I can't do the big church thing. That's just not who I am. It's not my personality, but I still felt God calling me to it and took the steps. And so it's always an internal struggle. And, and what I come back to where I find my footing is what impact is our church making in the community? How are people experiencing the love of Jesus through our small little group? And how are people the people that are a part of our church How is their life being impacted? How are they growing? How deep are they growing in their own faith and in their own walk with Jesus? Because the reality is very seldom is someone going to stay with our church forever. They're going to move on and go somewhere else. And so they get to pass through our doors and pass through some other doors. And so remembering that it's not just about this church, it's about the church. And am I being a faithful expression of what God's calling us to be and me to be so that we can be a full body together? I can find my, I can find my anchor when I remind myself of those concepts and ideas.
0: Anchor is a good word because it feels like, uh, the waves come and they hit us and they toss us in all these different directions. It's really easy, you know, to get lost in the waves and, and chasing, you know, chasing different metrics. That's so true though. I planted Uh, My first church plant we launched in 2006 and I was there 13 years and I just went to a wedding uh, this summer of a guy that I met when he was 16 and he just got married uh, uh, mid twenties now and got to reconnect with some people from church, that church that I haven't seen in a long time and hear stories uh, of people that are uh, just, we did a park ministry where we didn't see a lot of fruit on like a Sunday morning Mm -hmm. level. Uh, that's actually where we met him, and um, but to hear stories of of people from the Park Ministry that are now in their mid twenties, and that like some of this fruit came ten years later, yeah. and like that's awesome. But when you're the planter in the middle of it, it's not awesome because you're like, <laughs> no, I kind of need some of that fruit right now, right? Um, so the anchor, I, I what you said, Cindy. That's that's uh, I really like that. I really like that a lot because let's like we're a part of something bigger right. than us. Mm. Way bigger. God doesn't need us. He doesn't need our churches. Um, but it can really feel like this whole thing rests on my shoulders because I got to make this church plant, you know, sustainable. I got to make it successful. So, Mm -hmm. um, we're trying to figure it out. Yeah. Um, And if you guys have questions you want to ask, you know, to the rest of us, the four of us jump in. I'm going to keep it moving so we don't have awkward silence uh, because you don't want that, you know, on a podcast. (laughs) Let's go. Right. Uh, But uh, but feel free to just jump in, change directions. If you have questions you want to hear um, from the four of us, I want to ask us about. this Sunday morning model. So I mentioned, I just interviewed Peter sung who we all know and, and love and his new book, post-church church. And in his book, he essentially proposes, I mean, it's, it's pretty provocative. I would call it prophetic in the sense that speaks mm-hmm. a lot of truth to the current, um, the unhealth that's in the church. And um, it, I, I don't know. I, I just, I guess I'm paraphrasing. There's a, there's a critique of this Sunday morning Pastor centered model of church, and there's uh, and and that the post church church will will not look like that. And we probably are five or six steps away. It's kind of what Peter said in the interview. Uh, right now, we're taking more like baby steps on the way we do church. Um, but I, I'm wondering how have you three uh, wrestled with that. Cause I wrestle with that. I wrestle with putting on the show each Sunday and wondering how effective is it really? I, I feel like people expect a sermon, they expect worship through music and it, and it needs to be good. And there needs to be a kids ministry and it all needs to be good, you know? And it's like, it can feel like you're putting on a, a product or a show and trying to get people, you know, to like it. And then you go, oh, is that really Discipleship—is that really what we're called to do? Let alone the pressure it puts on us as the MC, you know, of the show. Uh, and I know uh, some of you are doing church in creative ways and in sort of different ways. Uh, and so just give your thoughts in general on that concept that Peter proposes in his book that I'm kind of roughly paraphrasing and then maybe how, what are some steps? Again, we're not retooling the whole system and the way we do church, uh, but what are some steps that each of you are taking in your ministries, um, to maybe kind of address some of those concerns that he's bringing up?
3: Well, I'll jump in. Um, One of the things there's so many fun things you get to try when you're a church planter and you're tiny, you know, you kind of just try stuff and see what works. Um, But early on, I had a guy that um, comes to our church who told me after a sermon, like you said a lot of really good things, but I'm on If I'm honest, I tuned out around minute two. And he's like, I have ADD. It's not you, it's me. And he's like, But he said, when before we started meeting weekly for church services, he's like, We did a lot more discussion. And he said, When we had discussion, I would go home and I would think about the conversation. He said, So is there a way that we could do that during church? And so I thought, Well, yeah, let's try it. So we started adding discussion questions in the middle of our sermons. So I'll preach. You know, and then we'll take a break and we throw up some discussion questions on the screen. People circle up at their tables. Again, we're in a donut shop, so there are tables and chairs and people talk about things. And people our teenagers too, have said that's one of their favorite parts of the service because it allows them to process out loud what they're hearing and learning with each other. Um, And so they're more likely to take it with them into the week. That's that's one thing Um, I think also for pastors and people in ministry, it's real hard because it does start to feel like a show um, to be able to enter into worship yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, So another small thing we've done is we do brunch church the last Sunday of every month. So it's a potluck brunch. Everybody brings something and we eat together for the first half an hour of our service. We don't do anything else. There's no structure. We just eat together. Um, And then we do a very abbreviated communion service at the end. And there's a small message. Um, But a lot of that's because I wanted our people to get to know each other and we love food. And to me, that feels restful. Um, And as church planners, we're doing a lot of things. And so it's nice to have one Sunday a month where I'm doing less and getting to be with people more.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Awesome.
3: Yeah.
1: We, we've we started doing something similar where we do a, a Sabbath Sunday. It's not consistent. Sometimes it's when the pastor's tired, this week's <laughs> going to be a Sabbath Sunday Amen. and everybody's great with that. And I think it's a great model for us to show people the, the value of Sabbath. And another thing that we do a, a little differently is I'll give like a little, I guess you call it sermonette, devotion-esque kind of message and ask one question and see where the conversation goes. And sometimes that's a whole lot better sermon than I could preach in you know with the, the time I have to prepare. But it doesn't mean I have to be less prepared because the questions that come up are usually way deeper than I've gone or from an angle I haven't gone. So I'm finding we grow deeper and maybe even... Um, more holistic in our faith when we all have a voice in those worship times. Mm. Yeah. And I would,
2: I would just emphasize that language, having a voice, like who, who are we giving a voice to how often and when, um, cause we, for us, that has been a really central piece. We, we've been trying as much as we can, you know, like we, we have a, a goal and we're, we're trying to be as rigorous about that as possible, Um, but we're working to give as many people voice as possible. Uh, we believe that the, the kids and those who don't know Jesus yet are as essential and maybe sometimes more essential than the rest of us are. Um, and we're working really hard to kind of, uh, work against the consumer model of church. Peter Mm -hmm. talks some about that, but, um, in conversations with Peter, we, he and I have had even more conversations about the consumer model. So we're, we, we push really hard, partly because the consumer model, right. Is built around, there's a person who knows what they're doing and, and is putting on the show for everybody else. And everybody else is then in the role of the consumer, which means that they're not in the role of like having voice or being discipled even really what they're doing is sitting back and taking in a show. Um, and just as a pedagogical model, it doesn't work. Like people don't actually learn under that model very well is what, that's what we've come to. So, so we're constantly trying to figure out places we can give voice. So I preach once a month. Um, most of the time when I preach, um, I'll either do a Q and a session afterwards, but even Q and a we've, we have our questions about, because that puts me in the role of the expert, Mm -hmm. Uh, so even that, I'm like, I'm not sure that I want to do Q and A as much as we can give other people a voice. Um, uh, now, Q and A is great because people ask some really difficult and fun questions, um, and and I prepare as well as I can, Sydney, but I, I never am ready for that one question.
3: <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah,
2: it's true. Um, so, but but kind of, uh, I think the f- my favorite thing that we're doing is we have a every other week um, we do meet in small groups. Um, and our small groups
0: aren't that's on Sunday morning, right, Josh?
2: Well, we're Sunday afternoon. So we're, we're taking apart the pastor center and the Sunday morning. That's right.
0: right. But you're sorry to interrupt, but you're replacing your Sunday service with small groups at the same time slot. That's that's pretty key.
2: Same time slot. Yeah, that's right. So we do same time slot. We, we do our small groups. Our small groups are all going through the gospels. They will, um, as, Uh, at least for the foreseeable future, we will just remain in the gospels because we just want to spend time with Jesus. And we come, people come and ask their questions and make their observations. And then after our small groups have gathered for about an hour, usually they get together and we do takeaways together as a community. And so the whole community comes together and the kids get up and share, Hey, this is what I learned. And you know, the guy who just walked in off the street comes in, Hey, this is what I learned this week. And um, so we get all kinds of people sharing again, it's like, it's, we get sermon content without me having to prepare a sermon, right? Mm-hmm. And That sermon content is kind of crowd shared, uh, among the community. And so crowdsourced among the community. And so it's, it's, um, we feel like it's, it's uh, good discipleship. People come away with, oh, I, this is what I learned this week. Um, and it's kind of the uh, works against that consumer uh, structure, so yeah, mm-hmm. so I, I'm a big fan of what Peter's doing. I I hope we're wrestling in ways that um, he he approves of,
0: and uh, <laughs> and are headed the same
2: direction he is.
0: So nice, mm-hmm. yeah. Cindy, I love what you said about the Sabbath Sunday. When you said something about when the pastor's tired, sometimes <laughs> is when we do it. And right. I've been this is my second church plant. I've been senior pastoring, I guess, for a long time, and I feel like there's this unspoken rule that the senior pastor is never allowed to be tired. And mm-hmm. I I think we've uh, we've seen that play out in, you know, the American church at large, some of these big name, you know, big name meltdowns that we've seen. Uh, I think it's something wrong. I think it's something wrong in the church is, is this. Um, I don't know. It it just feels like it it, it can feel like one as a senior pastor, you just have to fake it. You just have Mm -hmm. to act like you love Jesus and everything's perfect because Mm -hmm. you're selling this product. You're selling the Jesus product. And so if you had something you were discouraged about or or tired, you're just human, first of all, you know, so like you get tired. Um I just think it's really important to talk about health among pastors uh and I I'll, I'll kind of answer the last question and uh for our church context and then we're going to lead into a new question on this health issue. So one thing um is a transitionary answer because one thing we're going to start doing I've mentioned this on the podcast um recently is transitioning into a co-pastor model and by co-pastor I mean like co senior pastor um I was able to transition but my first church plant to that about seven years in uh this time it's going to be more like two or three years in and i just i need that i i'm feeling led by god to do it i i'm mm-hmm. i'm reading about it in in books like um church of Tove by scott mcknight and you know you're, you, you, i think there's something really healthy about it um but for my own drive and and the, and uh the personality and leadership style i just think it it is a really good check and balance for me um and there's just so many really good things about it. So that's one thing we're doing to like in that sort of the point of, that Peter made, um the the pastor centric, you know, Sunday morning centric thing. Um I think that'll be an ingredient that'll help us, you know, with that um so but let's talk about our health and emotions and kind of the roller coaster Laura that you mentioned. Uh could each of you just share just what some of the emotional Roller coaster has been. Um, I know like Josh, I wish I could just be like you. I feel like you are you are um always just like peaceful and every you know, you just like I love that about you. I, I say that genuinely, but I'm making you turn red too. So I love I like that I'm doing <laughs> that to you right now. Um but uh uh <laughs> what have been the ups and downs for all three of you? And, um, and then the second part of that question is what, what, what do you do? Uh, what are some disciplines or some structures in your life that you do, you know, to stay healthy, to stay grounded, to stay anchored?
2: I, I'll jump in right now, Noah, cause I mean, what you didn't see was 2020. I burned out Yeah. by the time we met Um, I had gone through a year of burnout and, uh, had was just starting to figure out, okay, what rhythms are going to be necessary for me? Um, uh, so yeah. So the, the key things for me, um, rhythm wise, I've got my monthly retreat, uh, where I take first Monday of the month and I go and spend time with Jesus and, um, spend some time planning the month, but mostly it's just sitting with Jesus. And I usually hike in the Hills around here. Um, I've got my weekly Sabbath, I've got my daily stuff, um, just mm-hmm. prayer, prayer time with the Lord. Um, uh, yeah. And then it's been big for me again, mentioning the model that we use. Um, I'm not the center of the thing. So, um, it feels peaceful and it doesn't feel like yeah stress to be in there, uh, every week. Thanks.
3: Really good. I'm listening and I'm thinking, Ooh, I've got some, I've got some goals in terms of like a monthly retreat, like working on some of those things. That's so good, Josh. Um, I think collaborative leadership is a big part of it. Um, But emotionally, I think church planning, there's, it's so easy to tie up your own worth and value into, um, the, the progress of your church. And so I think you really have to, um, stay attuned to that name it when you see it, it will happen. So it's not a question of avoiding it. It will happen. And so how you process that and realize that, um, One of the things I love about our denomination, at least in my little corner of the world, is um, the emphasis on spiritual direction and Mm -hmm. therapy for pastors. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been in ministry for a long time in a lot of different settings. This is the first setting where I've heard repeatedly from senior leadership within the denomination that every pastor should be meeting with a therapist Mm -hmm. and a spiritual director um, because pastors need care pastors need care. And that was such a revolutionary idea for me. And once I heard it, I was like, well, that just seems obvious. Um, but again, years of ministry. And I I had never heard that before. And I'm so grateful for it because, um, we we do a lot of pouring out and a lot of caring for others and and we need places that are safe where we can be cared for as well so i think that's really critical Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. i think that's huge and as i'm listening to you laura i'm thinking we would tell anybody that comes to us for help go to a spiritual director go to a, a a therapist you're worth that you're that valuable and so, by us doing that, we're we're reminding ourselves of that value that you you were talking about. and and it, it is very important. And also, in addition to that, it's very important for me to have pastors who have been there done that, not necessarily a church planting thing, but a couple of retired pastors that I get together with, and we just talk about life. Mm-hmm. You know, they check in with me, How are you doing? How is your family doing? and and there's they have no skin in the game. Other than to hear me and to hear what's going on with me. And I have found my most healing moments have been just being listened to by mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. and being encouraged that either they had a similar experience or, you know, anybody that's gone before us is um, powerful. And um, yeah, I know when I've not had enough of those
0: yeah. moments. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll second the therapy, um, and as spiritual direction as well. Um, I, I developed a, like a an email team, um, and I have my big prayer team, which I love and appreciate. That's like all, my financial supporters and lots of people that are on there praying for me. And I'm pretty real in those. I mean, I'm, I never lie. I'm real. I'm raw but I have a group of nine uh, guys and I, um, I I emailed guys cause I send my sexual temptation to stuff to them. It ends up being a lot of stuff about like depression that I'm feeling as well, uh, discouragements. And it's just my raw, like real, these are mentors in my life. Um, and uh, I just, this I've been doing that now for three, four years and it's mm-hmm. been really, uh, really fruitful. For me, um, I have a zoom group on Saturday morning of guys I meet with that are from, uh, like my beyond the battle life. Um, and so it's not church related and we do some really deep, um, accountability, really deep, just kind of, um, identity work, you know, our identity being in Christ. And that's been really good for me too. So I'll throw that, uh, in there and I have a really firm Monday Sabbath and, um, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm. I'm not good at i. I too listen to Josh. And I'm like I need a retreat day. I need those things, but I am good at my Monday Sabbath. I really think I would die without it. Um, mm-hmm. I just really, really need that. So, we've just got a few minutes left. Um, we have a time uh, a time cut off, and so I'm gonna go around and just ask uh, if there's anything else that you would like to share uh, about our conversation, and/or if you want to try to squeeze one last question in for the rest of us to answer. I will try to do that uh, here briefly in the next few minutes.
3: I would just love to hear from you guys. Why, why church plant? Um, I know because I know some of your stories and I know that you all have been in ministry. Um, So I would, I don't, I have no idea.
0: Balloons. Keep going, Laura.
3: Yeah. Well, (laughs) just, just hearing from you guys why you um pursued church planting and um how you how how you felt called to that but what is the purpose of church planting within the wider church if you could have been a minister somewhere else in some other setting why did you choose church planting mm.
0: i think Josh did that to me putting those balloons up on my screen <laughs> I, I wish i how to uh, do
2: that i would be all in for that
0: <laughs> church planting for me um it's a way to reach people for the gospel for Jesus and i'm really passionate about that and and frankly i have a sense of discontent about the status quo of church there's some really good ones out there but there's a lot of churches that are just treading water and um i i uh early on i was um really had a heart for outreach and just uh church planting was the the way the path and i am a little bit of a I don't know. I don't like to follow rules and things like that. And I, I am a creative person. I'm a visionary person, uh, to create things. And so it just, um, it's been a really good path for me to use my leadership skills, uh, in that way. And my passion to see people come to know Jesus, uh, in creative ways. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I've asked myself that question a lot lately, because I'm surrounded by churches, good churches, and it's, it's a, a People would call it a Christian community. And what I'm coming to see is church planting. Yes, is about planting something new and the gospel and people meeting Jesus for the first time and, and, you know, jumping on board with him. But it's also about new life now, wherever I'm at in my journey. And that's what I'm seeing in our community, that need for a fresh, a fresh perspective of God, a fresh perspective of Jesus and what it means to be a follower of him. And that's where I get excited is when i see that spark return to someone's eyes or Mm. that passion come back that they've lost that's good what about you josh it's
2: really good cindy thanks um and if you i don't know if you can hear but my daughter's playing piano she's writing (laughs) us it's great um uh for me man uh i still don't know why i'm church planting um Uh, I wish I had some like great, uh, like principles that I was working from, but really for me, it came down to, um, I felt really strongly the clear call of God to do it. And, um, as we've, uh, gotten started, uh, here, here in Boise, um, what we keep seeing is, uh, people coming in and. Boise church culture is a unique church culture, just like every other church culture is unique in its own ways, but we keep, I feel like we're serving the folks who are like, I was kind of done with church. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Wasn't going back. And I found you guys. And I feel like I can hang out here. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so uh, that's kind of what, what we've experienced is Jesus is drawing that, that person. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and so in a lot of ways we're unique in, in Boise, um, And so I, I just have continued to sense God's call that this is what we're supposed to do. And so we keep doing it. It's
3: good.
0: What about for what you, about Laura? You? And then we'll wrap it up.
3: Yeah, I think uh, for, it's definitely a call. It's not something that I ever had on my radar or something I would mm-hmm. do. Um, it's because God called me to it, but I, I get excited because I do think it's, It's an opportunity to follow God, like for me personally, into unknown territory, um, but also to see God's hand at work, um, in people's lives. And, and it's God calling new people to himself, but also people that have been hurt and burned Mm -hmm. by the church, um, rediscovering the goodness Mm -hmm. of church community, um, And I think it gives us a chance to also do something that may speak to the wider church about, um, you know, what is essential in the life of a church community. And I think we are in some ways creating new territory um, because we do get to try some things. We get to be creative. And I think that we are um, pursuing some things that maybe the wider church might try to adapt in the future. So I I get excited about that. Mm-hmm. yeah,
0: yeah for sure. Uh, any last uh, closing quick thoughts. I know uh, we've got schedules. we've got to go, um, but just around the horn, if not totally okay, but anyone want to share a last thought um about the conversation for listeners before we sign off. I
1: don't know, I just, I just feel compelled to say if anybody's listening that feels called to church planting mm-hmm. and you're wondering, am I doing the right thing? Or am I in the right place? Yeah, you are. Just keep nice. taking steps.
0: Love it. Uh,
2: no, I'm just excited about your podcast and uh, <laughs> saying hi to all the Philippa
0: out there. Oh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> My third favorite podcast, Josh.
2: Yeah, yeah. I don't have a mug. I, did well, you... you
0: should become a paid patron and then you get one. <laughs> so. You sent Greg a mug, didn't you? He April was a, g- well, oh no. Oh, I see. So because he was a, <laughs> he did two episodes though. So I uh, send Laura a mug. Once you do two, you get a mug. Oh,
1: <laughs> sweet! <laughs> oh goodness.
0: Laura, how about you close us out here with some respectability?
3: Yeah, uh, uh, that's tough. I I am just excited to be part of this group because I think that um, church planning can be a very lonely business, mm. um, and it mm. is good to connect with other people who know what it's like and the amount of risk you're taking on the crazy ways that you, you know, question yourself and your call because of, you know, odd things that happen, Mm -hmm. you know, on a weekly basis. Um, But just the encouragement from being with like-minded people is really, really good. Yeah.
0: I agree. Awesome. Well, this has been really fun and we're like, it's like a little reunion here for us. We're Mm -hmm. all over the country and our friend, I was on earlier who's in seattle we get to catch up from our cohort and so i just love that god is at work all over mm-hmm. the country in these small ways mm-hmm. i think jesus ministry was very small Uh, A lot of his metaphors were very small, the faith of a mustard seed, you know, and Mm -hmm. you just, you see the way God works. And so I love the work we're all doing. I love Mm -hmm. being reminded that as we all labor, we're laboring together. And, Mm -hmm. and, and, and let's be honest, there's lots of churches like ours out there. There's lots and lots of small churches that aren't making the headlines with just faithful lovers of Jesus trying to shine his light. So I just praise God for that. And if you're a listener in one of those churches, uh, praise God. Uh, And if just if you just go to church, if you're if you're not going to church somewhere, go to church, get get uh, involved, join community, make sure it's authentic. Uh, That's really what we're about. So uh, thank each of you so much, Laura, Josh, Cindy. Thanks for joining us here uh, on the flip side. This has been really wonderful. All right. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. We were up against the clock a little bit. Uh, we had we had actually met prior to this interview uh, with another member of our cohort, and we did some updates on how everybody was doing. We prayed for each other, and uh, we just had somebody in our group that had to go at a, a certain time. So uh, hopefully didn't feel too rushed or cut off or anything. I know we could have talked longer, and uh, there's a lot of good stuff to talk about. But I hope that that was uh, uh, encouraging. Conversation for you. I hope it was inspiring, and uh, you know, I don't know. I just, I just trust the spirit to use that. Uh, maybe it'll help you pray for your pastor uh, or pastor team, and uh, help pray for them, send them some encouragement. Uh, if if you're in church leadership, maybe to think uh, critically, you know, about what makes a healthy church. And I know it's, it's a thing too, you know, Laura asked me or asked us why we planted a church. And I really do appreciate in a church plant. And I know I, I take this for granted for all of you out there who are working in established churches. Um, it's really hard to make changes in established churches. So I just want to acknowledge that. One thing I like about church planting is you can change things. And especially at the beginning, you know, you can change, like Josh is doing uh, at at uh, RCB uh, in Boise. They're doing uh, every other Sunday. I hope you caught that. They're doing like a sort of a more traditional worship service, singing, preaching. And then every other Sunday, they're... um they're doing their small groups for their church. So if you were a visitor and you showed up, you're like ready for a sermon and songs, guess what? You're going to sit in a group and you're going to you're going to have um, you're going to have conversation. And when you're a church plant, you can start that way. You know, we start. We do discussion questions. Uh, like what Laura mentioned they are doing, that's encouraging to hear because we do that at Mosaic. We we do a, uh, during the first worship set, we stop and, and during some of our announcements, we have people uh, break into groups and we have leaders and it's sort of an icebreaker conversation time where it's a guided conversation to get to know the people you're sitting with And then during the sermon, we break and we do some discussion around the topic of the sermon. And those are the type of things. I I get it. If you're in an established church, you can't just whether even if you're the senior pastor, you even in you still don't get to make those decisions because you got to run it by your elder team or your board or whatever. But even if you did, it would really rattle people. I get it. It would rattle people if you were like every other week we're not going to have preaching and singing. We're going to do groups. People would revolt. I mean, right, because we just we're creatures of habit. We're used to what we're used to. and that's that's part of this tension, even the conversation with Peter and the post church church, it's, um there's, I guess I'm saying two things. One, people are used to what they're used to, so change is going to be hard. Uh, so doing something that's a little bit different, uh, just I would say, really, you got to do things gradually. You need to know your context, um, and don't be reckless with it. Or hey, just go plant the church, like Cindy said. Uh, if you if you really have some you know creative things uh, cooking, uh, but I just want to acknowledge that I think for us as church planters, we take it for granted a little bit that uh, we can do things outside of the box. And, and I love that. And and as Laura said, maybe we can teach the established church um, some things, but I don't, uh, I feel for you that are leading established churches that I know you don't have, you know, the freedom to do that. But even in a plant now, I'm, you know, we're a year and a half in at doing Sunday services. And I, I do feel that where we, we can't not make drastic changes to what we currently are doing, but we do always have to be, and this is, I think any church can do this, um, Always be evaluating what you are doing and say, okay, within the construct of this community that we've created, this culture we've created, what can we be doing? Is this effective? Is this an effective method of discipleship? Is this an effective method of um, growth, of building community? And if it's not, don't just keep doing it because you've always done it, right? I mean, I, I think we have to be in church spaces where we can we can adjust because the uh, it's not about numbers as we just talked about, but um, let's let's in in that your church doesn't have to be growing, growing growing but let's be honest the amount of people going to church in our culture is shrinking, shrinking, shrinking Peter and I talked about that his book talks about that the average church size right now is sixty, which there's no shame in that you know that's what many of the church plants that we that were you just heard today uh, we are around that size um, but it says something that I, I don't remember the stat. I think 20 years ago or something, the average church size was much more than that, 150 or 200 or something like that. Um, again, those are just paraphrased podcast stats. Don't hold me to that. Uh, but the point is something's happening in our culture. Uh, people are dissatisfied with this current structure of church. They're dissatisfied with the Sunday morning preaching, singing, even though it might be working in for you and it might be working in your context. Uh, but I think, too, there's a lot of reasons people are deconstructing their faith, I do encourage you to subscribe to the audio side. So we have YouTube, but then we also have the audio feed. If you subscribe there, you'll get five minute flips. And I've been talking about deconstruction and different reasons people are deconstructing. And that's a big, uh, that's a big thing that's happening. And I don't know if it's just people in their thirties and forties, kind of around my generation uh, or not chime in on that. Let me know. Um, But all that to say, we in church leadership, we need to be paying attention to that And we need to be saying, okay, what do we need to be doing differently? What topics do we need to be talking about? Um, How do we need to – there's Christian nationalism is on the rise. I just interviewed uh, Glenn Bracey and Michael Emerson about uh, white Christian nationalism. Uh, That was just a few episodes ago. And so there are certain topics that if you talk about them – uh, you're going to scare away, chase away the sort of standard churchgoer, standard Christian that likes everything kind of cookie cutter. Uh, but and so you might shrink, um, but you, you may reach people that have been deconstructing their faith and have left the church and are saying that doesn't work for me anymore. Um, I've been burned by all that. And that's that's. Uh, That's fruit. That's ministry fruit. And so just be thinking about those things in your church leadership settings, in your your pastoral settings, and just in your life as a Christian. Uh, I hope that's something we do well on the flip side is to challenge you uh, in those ways of how to think about some of these really tough issues uh, that are forcing, that are making people leave the church and to create a space where you can think critically and, um, yeah, you can think critically and start to interact with some of these things in a way that you may not get to do on Sunday morning. But I hope that it is influences uh, what happens to you on Sunday morning, that that it influences who you are within your church setting. So I'll wrap it up there. Thanks so much for uh, listening. Big thanks to Laura, Cindy, and Josh for coming on. It was a lot of fun. And uh, uh, if you want to support the show, patreon.com slash Noah Flippiak. If you want to support me and my endeavor to go to a part-time co-pastor model uh, to be able to continue Writing, podcasting, and such, uh, NoahFlippiak.com slash give. And I will see you next time on The Flip Side. The Flip Side with Noah Philippiak is a Beyond Ministries production. Copyright Noah Philippiak. www.noahflippiak.com. Theme music by Kyle Lake and Hay Lake Music used with permission. Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever podcasts are found. When I finish, it's time to bring me closer. There's no purgatory because you're in or you're out. When you see them in the clouds, you know it's going down? Raise them, raise them, raise them. They've been sleeping for some ages. Now all God's babies so confused by this hatred. Poor pit preachers shouldn't aim to be A-list. Money probably long, but short is what your day